you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, January 21st, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we continue a series that I know many of you have enjoyed so far, and that is the Comparing the Rebuilds series. And today, we're going to take a look at a team that, to be honest, among all the other teams in baseball that are in some sort of rebuild-like phase at the moment, I think the team we're talking about today is probably the most on par with the timeline of what the Orioles are doing, and that team is the Pittsburgh Pirates. And to learn more about the Pirates rebuild, we're going to be joined by Ethan Smith once again today. He is the host of Locked On Pirates here on the Locked On Podcast Network. He's been on this pod a couple of times before, and we are going to talk all things Orioles and Pirates. Of course, before the season, these two teams were pretty much slated to be the worst two in baseball. Didn't happen that way. The Pirates were in a much easier division, and you know they were able to cross the at least 60-win threshold this year. But it was still a 100-loss season in Pittsburgh. They're still picking in the top five after having the number one overall pick in last year's draft. And we're going to get to all of that, including the fact that the Pirates took a really good catcher, 1-1 in Henry Davis, just like the Orioles took a pretty good catcher, 1-1 in Adley Rutschman. A couple of years ago, we'll talk about the breakout players that the Pirates found out about this year. Hey, one of their breakout players was Brian Reynolds, their center fielder, similar to the Orioles with Cedric Mullins. We talk about, you know, where their top prospects are. And it's interesting because, you know, their two top guys, one of them, Henry Davis, are maybe not ready for the big leagues, but they still have some top five guys, including O'Neill Cruz, who some would argue is the Pirates' top prospect, who are ready to go in the bigs, similar to Rutschman, Rodriguez, and Hall for the Orioles. So it's a really good look at a team on a similar timeline, maybe one year behind the Orioles, but trying to get back to contention and a team that had a similar window of winning Uh, the last time, you know, that 2012 to 2014 stretch. So that's all coming up with Ethan Smith comparing the Orioles' rebuild to the Pittsburgh Pirates. But before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. Locked on Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms. And remember, it's the only O's podcast out there bringing you content three days a week, three episodes a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, even during the offseason, even during this lockout as we move through January. We know the two sides met a couple weeks ago. We know the Players Association is, you know, mulling what they're going to do next, and uh, I don't know when this lockout's going to end, but we are still going to have three episodes a week for you here on Locked On Orioles. So if you like that and you like the content we've got, hey, throw us a like, a follow, a subscribe on wherever you listen, and specifically if you are a listener on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you could leave us a five-star review on either of those apps, that really really helps me out, really helps out the pod, and helps me continue to bring you three days a week worth of content, and soon enough, we're going to be back to baseball, we're going to be going back to five days a week of podcasts here on Locked On Orioles. So once again, just want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, the Comparing the Rebuild series continues as we take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, we've already looked at the Colorado Rockies and the Arizona Diamondbacks in this series, but neither of those teams are really all in on the rebuild like the Orioles are. Well, the Pirates are similar to the Orioles in that they are all in 
on calling this thing a rebuild. And quite frankly, you know, you hear about the timeline of the Pirates in this conversation, and you could argue they're probably about a year behind the Orioles right now, but that's really the only big difference. They're kind of on par with a lot of the stuff that the Orioles are doing as well. They've turned out to be, you know, two of the top systems in baseball right now. The top of each system kind of looks the same. The players they've found to be good at the major league level look kind of similar as well. It's a little bit eerie hearing this conversation with Ethan Smith of Locked on Pirates about how similar it feels just with the Orioles being a little bit ahead in the process. But we will get to it all right now with Ethan Smith, the host of Locked on Pirates here on the Locked on Podcast Network, comparing the rebuilds, looking at the Pittsburgh Pirates and how they compare to the Orioles as the two teams try and rebuild their organizations and get back to being winning ball clubs. All right, so we welcome Ethan Smith back into the podcast. He is the host of Locked on Pirates here on the Locked on Podcast Network. And Ethan, first of all, thank you so much for taking some time to hop back on the podcast. Oh, yeah, of course, Connor. It's been great, man. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. We are uh, doing a little Pirates-Orioles crossover here. I know we did this back in spring training of 2021 uh, when the two teams actually played a game that was televised, which we didn't get a lot of last spring training. And we did kind of do a, a comparison of essentially where the two teams were because most people were picking the Orioles and the Pirates to have the worst two records in baseball last year. Now, the Pirates did win 61 games, the Orioles only 52. Some of that was, you know, the division that each of them are in, but it wasn't the Pirates with the number one pick again. It was the Orioles. So my first question was, you know, versus expectations, how did you feel 2021 went for Pittsburgh? Um, I mean, definitely seeing two all-stars was something that I did not expect. I did not expect Brian Reynolds and Adam Frazier to elevate into that like kind of stratosphere. I knew Brian Reynolds was a good player. I just didn't realize he was going to do that kind of deal. Um, of course, seeing key Brian Hayes get injured in the second game of the season was kind of rough. He didn't, I don't think he was able to take that next step forward that I really thought he was going to take. Uh, he came back though and played really well. So I'm fully expecting him to have a good 2022 I would say the only thing that was kind of discerning, I mean, we won 61 games, which was my prediction initially was 65. So that's where I thought we were going to be. Um, but anytime you lose 100 games, obviously there was a lot going on, a lot of stuff going wrong. And I think heading into this year, we definitely have a lot more flexibility is the word I've been using a lot lately with the amount of middle infielders, outfielders and pitching talent that we're going to be having coming through the system pretty soon. So I mean, the expectations, I think, were pretty much met last year. He got to see some newer guys come onto the scene, do some things like Rodolfo Castro. Uh, Cole Tucker, uh, Tucker rightfully keeps his job re realistically in that last month. And then David Bednar was one of the better closers in baseball near the end of the year. So all in all, I mean, some guys made some surprises, but realistically nothing world-breaking just yet. Yeah, and, and you know, we know the Pirates are in this – kind of phase of the franchise and for the Orioles you know it's pretty clear it's a rebuild and we kind of know where the franchise is going the I think accepted reality and hope is that 2021 was kind of the Orioles bottoming out with 52 wins and that the trajectory starts upward in 2022 so I wanted to ask about Pittsburgh like I think you know you've been clear that this is pretty much a, a rebuild for the Pirates so kind of what stage of it are they in at this point? Uh, well, now you're starting to get to the point where last year we saw Neil Cruz and Rowenzi Contreras debut. You're starting to get to that point now, the rebuild, where 
not necessarily your best prospects, but some of your better prospects are starting to come up and you're really going to have to start making decisions in terms of who's going to be on the 40 man roster, who's going to be on the 26 man roster, who's going to be doing all that kind of stuff. Um, what pitchers are going to be in your rotation, what pitchers are going to be relief pitchers and closers or setup guys versus starting pitchers. Um, I think they've also firmly realized that Brian Reynolds as of right now is the centerpiece. And then you have guys around him right now that are probably going to make immediate impacts like key Brian Hayes, Dave Bednar. And then I'd say O'Neill Cruz already, just because I mean, look at the guy, he's freaking ridiculous. I mean, he's phenomenal. And then you have Rowenzi Contreras who came onto the scene last year, had a very good year last year, mostly in the minors, of course, only debuted near the end. I would say the stage of the rebuild, I usually put it in four stages. Stage one is what I thought the Texas Rangers were last year until they decided to spend all that money in free agency. Um, stage two is uh, like usually where I think the Pirates are now, where it's like, okay, this is year two or three of this. Like we're starting to see the ramifications of some of these trades, starting to see a lot of these prospects come up, starting to see Derek Shelton's coaching style a little bit more. And then I would say, 2023 is definitely when they need to take that next step up and really say, this is where we're at. Yeah. I think the Orioles and Pirates are, are on pretty similar timelines. The O's, you could argue, might be one year ahead, maybe. But other than that, that they're pretty similar. And, you know, it, it was funny because they had some similar things happen to them. You mentioned Brian Reynolds. I think he was kind of the Cedric Mullins of the mm -hmm. Pirates, where, you know, they felt like they had maybe a solid major league player, but they didn't know they had this. And all of a sudden, you've got an all-star center fielder. Same thing with Mullins on the Baltimore side. And now you've got a guy who you were saying, where does he fit in long-term? And now you're saying, this is a guy we can put in our lineup for years to come. But where the difference was that I wanted to ask you about is it felt like this year, the Orioles were kind of done selling off their pieces. Like they did make a couple of trades, but you know, one of them was Freddie Galvis who they had signed to a one-year deal just as a replacement shortstop. And they traded him at the deadline. Like he was never really, essentially it doesn't really feel like he was an Oriole for that long. And so they made, you know, little deals like that. And the guys they could have traded like Santander and Trey Mancini, they didn't end up dealing for the pirates though. I know, you know, even already this off season, they have dealt Jacob Stallings. I know obviously they traded Adam Frazier during the season. So, you know, with those trades, you know, how did they impact the, the timeline of the rebuild and, and what does the return on those guys look like so far? Well, for Frazier, you're starting to, you're going to probably see two Peter Marcano is probably going to be the biggest guy that you're going to see more recently. Um, trading out of Frazier, a lot of people are like, wait, this makes no sense. But then you look at the fact that you have nine middle infielders on your 40 man roster right now. There was really no need for him anymore. Of course, I believe not last year, but this upcoming year, he will be expiring on his deal too. We weren't going to pay him because the trajectory just didn't make any sense. Um, and then you had the smaller trades like trading Clay Holmes and all the other smaller deals that they did. Uh, Jacob Stallings, I also think made some sense. I mean, I was also very upset about it when they traded him for a lot of reasons, just because he's a really fun guy and he's a really probably the best defensive catcher in baseball outside of Yadier Molina. Um, but realistically, at the end of the day, when you're moving these pieces, you're eventually going to get things back. And I mean, with the Jacob Stallings thing, Zach Thompson prime candidate to do really well this year in 2022. And that's an immediate thing. And then you also traded Richard Rodriguez, who again, why does a team that's winning 61 games need an elite closer? They don't really need it. And he dipped off a lot in Atlanta and you get Bryce Wilson out of it, who looked pretty good last year as well. Um, so I think with what you guys did last year, 
I think is what the Pirates are going to do this year. I think they're not going to make as many moves. They kind of made their offseason moves, but I don't think you're going to see as much wheeling and dealing as you would have seen in years past. Yeah, and it's <clears throat> and it's interesting because you talk about the prospects they got back. And, you know, on a couple of those trades, like the Richard Rodriguez and like the Jacob Stallings, they went for more major league ready talent. Heck, they went for guys who had already appeared in the big leagues that they got back in both of those mm-hmm. trades, which is, you know, much less like some of the other deals. And the other thing to mention about Adam Frazier, I know you got to it quickly is like, yeah, he was great for the pirates and he was an all-star, but he was frankly terrible for the Padres down the stretch. Yes. And the spot he's in now going into this off season is completely different than it was, you know, five, six months ago. And so the pirates kind of look like winners coming out of that because they sold as high as they could have, it feels like on Adam mm-hmm. Frazier. And, and that was definitely a W uh, for that front office. So I wanted to talk more about prospects a little bit. And, you know, I think everybody knows Henry Davis, him being the, the number one overall pick um, in last year's draft. And he's still a couple of years away. We know uh, the catcher out of Louisville, but behind him, you know, you mentioned O'Neill Cruz and you mentioned Contreras, like among these, you know, top 10 guys, who's really going to make an impact in the big leagues? Like who's coming next in 2022? Well, Cruz and um, Rowenzi are there. Uh, I'd say Travis Swaggerty has to be in that conversation as well after being added to the 40-man. Kanan Smith and Jigba, same deal. Maybe Jack Sawinski. Uh, Leover Piguero is one, though, that I like to bring up a lot because he was only in single-leg uh, Greensboro this year, but his bat was so good that they decided to protect him. And some people in the Pirates organization right now really think that Leover Piguero, if his bat continues to play, could make – an impact near the end of 2022 as an MLB player or at most triple a, or at least triple a, sorry. And that's just a good thing about it is you're starting to see a lot of these guys push like Rowenzi Contreras last year. He was so good in Altoona. They started coining every single day, like game he pitched Rowenzi day. And then he comes up and does pretty well in his first major league game as well. But I would say the guys that you're more than likely going to see um, in 2022 are going to be Rowenzi Contreras, O'Neill Cruz, Tucapita Marcano, Diego Castillo, Kane Smith and Jigba and Swaggerty. Those are probably the guys I would say are probably locks depending on, you know, CBA stuff and how this whole season goes anyway. And then you have that, like I said, that next window where you could get guys like a Leo Verpiguero potentially, maybe even a Nick Gonzalez near the end of the year. But the guys that I mentioned before, I would definitely expect by midseason or even like, you know, a little bit later into the year, like maybe August, if it's a full year, that's when those guys are all going to be up there and running wild. Yeah, and Orioles fans may remember Rowenzi Contreras because he and D.L. Hall had an unbelievable battle on opening day of the double-A season this year, uh, where I believe each guy struck out 10-plus batters, went five scoreless, um, and it was like a pitching clinic uh, on opening day of the minor league season. And, you know, Hall obviously had injury issues that didn't allow him to get to the bigs by the end of the year, but Contreras did, and he's got uh, some really good stuff. I, I wanted to ask, this is just kind of a – a uh, quick one. Give me, you know, very quickly so far in the kind of Charrington era of this is the full rebuild best trade and worst trade that the pirates have made so far. The best trade is easily the Jamison Talion trade to uh, the New York Yankees. It got you Diego Castillo, got you um, Rowenzi Contreras as well. And I mean, you've seen the impacts they've had already worst trade, probably the Josh Bell trade right now just because Will Crow has not looked very good at all. And Eddie Yeen is still very far away from even knowing if that trade's going to work out. So I would say the Josh Bell trade. And then, I mean, you have the smaller ones, but I don't really include the smaller ones in there too often, like Braden Ogle for Michael Chavis to Boston. 
it's just a small ordeal that Michael Chavis is playing, but at the end of the day, you can't really call that his worst trade because it's one, it's not like trading Tatis for a relief pitcher, you know, right. it's like not something like that. Um, but I would definitely say the, um, the Jameson Talion trade has probably had the most comeback and that's what a lot of people expected anyway. I mean, the Joe Musgrove trade has as well uh, with it, with Dave Bednar and other players going to be making impacts pretty soon. Uh, but I would definitely say the worst one was probably the Josh Bell trade. It, but even albeit being the worst one, it made the most sense to offload him when all that started. So we'll get back to our conversation comparing the Orioles and Pirates rebuilds with Ethan Smith of Locked on Pirates in just a second. But first, it's the new year. So that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar, well, you know what it is. It's the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. And hey, maybe better. They've got delicious flavors like cookies and cream, mint brownie, coconut almond, just to name a few. And these bars are so good. They taste great. They're not like these other protein bars that are waxy, chalky, and just taste disgusting. You're getting your protein. It's healthy, and it tastes good. You know, it's a candy bar in taste, but it's only got 130 calories and 17 grams of protein in each bar. So this is going to help out that New Year's resolution. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you can also get 15% off your order of these delicious and nutritious protein bars. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. It is interesting, you know, looking at not just the the prospects that the Pirates have gotten back in those trades, but also the guys they've acquired via the draft. And, you know, these two systems are very good right now. You know, two, mm-hmm. I think, easily top 10, probably two top five systems in baseball, I think, right now in the Pirates and the Orioles uh, at this moment. And it's interesting because when you look at the Orioles, your top three guys, Adley Rutschman, best prospect in baseball Grayson Rodriguez yes. best pitching prospect in baseball and DL Hall is a top 50 prospect a left-handed pitcher and the thought is that if all goes right like all three of those guys are going to be in the big leagues this year for the Orioles on the flip side for the Pirates we've talked about Cruz and Contreras and they're good guys but I think there's a good chance honestly that you know potentially three of the top four Pirates prospects and Henry Davis Quinn Priester and Nick Gonzalez now Gonzalez I think has a much better chance but there's a chance that none of the three of those mm-hmm. guys play in the big leagues this year, potentially. And I I do think if Gonzalez hits like he's capable of, he could be there. But, you know, what is the timeline for those three guys? And and how good do you think they can be? Because we know Davis was the number one overall pick, but it was kind of in a weird year where there wasn't that like elite number one guy. And there was more of a group of guys. And I know some people had questioned that pick. So where do you see kind of Davis, Priester and Gonzalez, who obviously Gonzalez and Davis, the last two top picks really factoring in? Well, Priester and Davis are going to get a lot of chemistry together because they were already at the same level. Like Davis played low A for like three weeks or something like that. And then he was already at high in Greensboro, like immediately his bat's going to play so well. I don't know if anybody's ever watched any of his highlights from Louisville, but man, it's fun to have a catcher that can hit like he does. And I mean, you even see comparisons to Adley Rushman a little bit, just the way he plays. Um, his main thing I think is like is going to be improving on the defense. He is a very good defensive catcher already, but of course everybody can be a very good defensive catcher out of college or high school and then flop in the MLB really fast. Um, but I think him and priest are getting together and hopefully keeping them in the same trajectory and the same levels of the system will build a lot of their chemistry. I think that's 
probably, I would say Quinn Priester probably has the track right now to be your number one pitcher in a couple of years. Um, some people have his ceiling as a mid-level uh, rotation guy. I don't. I think he's a top three rotation guy. And then at this point, yeah, the Pirates acquired Roberto Perez outside of getting Jacob Stallings. But as of right now, I think they've pretty much put all their cards in one pile for Henry Davis to be very good. And Nick Gonzalez on the other side of the coin, too. I think it's going to be easier for him to kind of continue to build and everything because he's going to end up, I think, being a block prospect at one point because at some point because of all the middle infielders ahead of him right now, they're going to have to factor in that Nick Gonzalez and Piguero are going to be there at some point. So where do you fit them into the equation? And Nick Gonzalez is basically a second baseman. I don't see him playing shortstop. Um, but as you said, if his bat plays, it's going to be hard to – not have him on the MLB roster, despite where you play him, especially despite the idea that you could have a universal DH soon in the national league, which is something the Orioles get the benefit of the doubt with that the pirates don't. So they get an extra bat in the lineup every day. Meanwhile, the pirates have to pick and choose sometimes, but I think if Nick Gonzalez continues to hit the way he does, especially the way he did last year and in New Mexico state, no chance that he's not on the MLB roster in a year or two. Yeah. And, and that's the big thing that is going to help the Orioles with Adley Rutschman is the fact that, you know, you can still give him a day off without giving him a day off because the DH, you know, you don't have to wear on his legs to catch 120 games a year, 130, 140 games a year. He's played first base in the minors. You can DH him. And that's what is going to be huge. I think specifically for the Pirates, you know, we're talking about two teams that have a, you know, one, one switch hitting, you know, future star catcher as their top prospect. The Pirates can get that universal DH, hopefully in the NL. When you get Henry Davis to the big leagues, you know, in a couple of years, you can give him days off without getting that bat out of the lineup. And that is just a huge thing for a team moving forward. Now we've, we've talked a lot about hitting prospects because I know, you know, between guys in the big leagues and guys close to the big leagues, that is where, you know, the pirates I think are better, at least at the top is on the position player mm -hmm. side. And we talked about some of the guys who are going to stick, who have shown they can stick in the major league level. Uh, you know, you talked about Brian Reynolds having the breakout year and, you know, it seems like key Brian Hayes, despite the injury is going to be a really, really good player. Uh, hopefully as, as early as this year for Pittsburgh, I wanted to turn to the pitching side at the major league level that you saw this year, because it seemed like nobody really established themselves in the majors this year as a future piece, but you can tell me if I'm wrong. Was there anybody from the 2021 big league pitching staff that you watched this year and said, he's going to be around for a while in the bigs. Bryce Wilson would probably be the one that comes to mind immediately um, just because of his age. Uh, a lot of people bring up JT Brubaker, but I do think he's already 28, 29. So he's already kind of getting to that point where seeing him as a future guy, even despite starting the year really well, and then his arm just kind of giving out on him near the end of the year. I don't see him as a future guy. Bryce Wilson and uh, Dave Bednar were probably the two main guys that I said, okay, these, these two guys are going to be here for a while. And when he did get the pitch before his injury, Miguel Yahure, who was another pickup from that Jameis Italian trade uh, with the New York Yankees, realistically, I liked what I see, like, saw from him too. So, I mean, naming Bryce Wilson, Yahure, and Contreras, uh, that would probably be the guys that I would say have the most upside to be here for the future. And then, of course, you'll factor in Quinn Priester, Carmen Majinski, Tanaj Thomas, those guys that are going to come along eventually. Uh, but I'd say Bednar was the only reliever and then Wilson, Yahure, and um, Contreras, who pitched at the end of the year, were the only guys I looked at and said, yeah, they're probably going to be here for at least two or three years before you even question moving them or whatever you have to do with them.
Yeah, that's why they like the Orioles as well. The O's, you know, cemented Cedric Mullins this year, cemented Ryan Mountcastle this year, you know, even saw Austin Hayes take a huge jump this year, where on the pitching side, yeah, John Means was good again. But behind that, it was like, man, like mm-hmm. I could see a scenario where like besides Means, maybe only like this won't happen just because you can't have this much roster turnover. But like two or three more of the pitchers are really, you know, on the next good Orioles team. And I think that's where the Pirates are similar. Like they're waiting for that pitching to come up in the next couple Mm -hmm. of years. That's what the Orioles are waiting for too. But Ethan, I got one last thing for you. You know, on the Orioles side, the year we continue to say is 2023. It's like 2022 is the year where things start to go up. And 2023 is where they become like a competent, competitive, maybe not playoffs, but competent, competitive baseball team again. What is that year in the Pirates timeline? I would say 2023 as well. Um, and also, I will say, again, as we compare these teams, the NL Central over the next couple of years is only going to get worse, I think. I mean, the Cubs are going to start spending money again, which will inflate them back up. The Brewers didn't do that much to improve this year. Cincinnati doesn't know what they're doing at all. No offense. Uh, the Reds, I mean, well, not the Reds. The um, Why can't I think right now? Who's the in Cardinals? my division? The Cardinals, there we go. Yeah, they have Goldschmidt and um, Arenado. But again, at the end of the day, you have to look at it from the standpoint that the Pirates unequivocally have the best farm system of any of the five teams in that division. And albeit, they're going to only add to it again in the draft this year. Now, that won't affect 2023 or 2024 even. But I would say 2024 at the latest is when you really have to see something go right here. Because if you don't, Ben Sherrington's going to be on the hot seat immediately. Like say same thing with Derek Shelton and saying Ben Charrington being on the hot seat is kind of rough to say, because right now you still haven't even seen a quarter of the stuff that he has acquired and he's turned this entire system and entire team into his own team. So really at the end of the day, it all comes back to him. But I think 2023 is the year that they could compete for the division possibly uh, just because the state of the division is not going to be that great. And 2024 would really be, okay, who do we have? Who can we go pick up in free agency? Let's go win this damn thing. Yeah. And I think it's a good comparison. Like, I think you can say it looks like the Pirates might be, you know, one year behind the Orioles in terms of this plan. But the thing that helps Pittsburgh is what you said, that division is going to be winnable. You look at the Orioles division and you see Yankees, Rays, Blue Jays and Red Sox, all four of which were in serious competition for a playoff spot. Three out of four made the playoffs. One finished one game outside the playoffs in the division. So it's definitely a different spot. And that's definitely going to help the Pirates maybe get to that year of competition sooner uh, than they think. But Ethan, thank you so much uh, for joining us once again to talk about these rebuilds. I think the the Pirates-Orioles conversation here is the most interesting because I feel like the timelines of these two teams are the most equal among any other Mm -hmm. team in the big league. So definitely uh, good to talk about it and kind of, you know, Hey, maybe, maybe share a little bit of the misery of a bad big league team, but also talk about the excitement of a really good farm system. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, that's all you really have to look forward to sometimes, man. You got to just look at the future and be like, Hey, right now it looks bright. So you can't, you can't harp on it too much. Cause I mean, the future looks really good for both of these teams in terms of what you look at. And when you go on MLB, the show, they usually end up winning in a couple of years. So, you know, just let the computer do its thing and go sign Carlos Correa or whoever to the Baltimore Orioles. And then that's how they'll win. So we'll get back to the Orioles talk in just a second. But first, let's chat about betonline.ag, which would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond, specifically in the NFL. The divisional round this weekend, two games Saturday, two games Sunday, and plenty to place a wager 
on. And BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. And with a new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website at BetOnline.ag. So head there, sign up today, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started and receive that 50% welcome bonus. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. And you do it at betonline.ag, where the game starts. So our thanks again to Ethan Smith, the host of Locked On Pirates here on the Locked On Podcast Network, for joining us for this other edition of the Comparing the Rebuild series with the Orioles and the Pirates in this one. And again, you know, just a look at a team that is on a similar-ish timeline. Again, you know, I said it multiple times, probably about a year behind the Orioles, but it's interesting to hear how the Pirates are doing it. And we talked a little bit about it at the end as well. And this is something I talked about on the Rockies episode with Paul Holden, on the Diamondbacks episode with Millard Shane Thomas. Those are back in the archives over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Go back and listen to those if you haven't already. Really good conversations as well. But when I talked about those, you know, NOS teams, we talked about how the NOS and the AL East are the two toughest divisions in baseball. Orioles got to deal with four teams in the Rays, Red Sox, Yankees, and Blue Jays that are in win-now, really good right-now mode. And on the Diamondbacks and Rockies side, you know, they got to deal with the Dodgers, Giants, and Padres right now. And so it's a little different for the Pirates, who I think might have less talent at the major league level, but they still have a definite top 10 and probably a top 5 system in baseball right now. They've got good talent, not just deeper in the minor leagues, but ready to come to the big leagues in 2022. And what they also have is just a bad division. I mean, you look around, obviously, you know, this Brewers team has been good for the last couple of years, and it's kind of been their division. Yes, the Cardinals made the playoffs, but only because they went on an absurd winning streak in September last year just to lose in the wild card game. And if they don't go on that winning streak, they're basically a 500 team in 2021. And even with Goldschmidt and Arenado, it's not like they're, you know, crushing everybody. You've got the Brewers, who it's a really good pitching staff, but... They still can't find an offense, even after trading for Christian Yelich. They're not an elite team, and that showed when they went out in the NLDS against the Braves. Uh, You've got a team in Cincinnati that, you know, knocked on the door of the playoffs for a while this year. They made the expanded postseason in 2020, but they're kind of tearing it down right now and and not spending any money and just kind of giving up guys for nothing. So they look like they're throwing in the towel. And then you've got the Cubs, who were the contenders, were the team in this division, but the Cubs had a fire sale at the deadline this year, traded everybody off, and although they might spend and get their way back in a couple of years, they're going to go through a dip for a couple of years, and the Pirates may be a winning team by the time the Cubs come back. So I think this division is fairly open, and I think I would feel even more optimistic about the Orioles, obviously, if they were in the NL Central instead of the AL East. Honestly, if they were in any other division in baseball, I'd feel a little better uh, on the future of the Orioles, but having to play the four teams they do makes it tough. But that maybe opens up the door for the Pirates as well. And it was interesting to hear, you know, how those trades have been working out. We know they have, you know, dealt some some serious pieces of their franchise over the past couple of years. And it's interesting to hear how those trades went. Jamison Tyone was a pretty good pitcher in Pittsburgh and, of course, had some injury issues and obviously the health scare as well. And he went to New York and he's been kind of injured again and, and hasn't been amazing. But the guys they got back, I mean, I saw Roency Contreras pitch last year and he's really good. 
And he, I think, you know, he's 22 years old, but a lot of signs are pointing to him being maybe a, a rotation piece for the Pirates in 2022. Like, he is ready to go, and they got some guys ready to go, and they've also got a lot of talent low in the system that they've drafted really highly in the last couple of drafts where they've picked high. And, you know, they're going to pick high again. They've got another top five pick coming up in the 2022 draft. And so they're still adding to this team. And again, I do think they are maybe a year behind the Orioles, it looks like. But they've got some uh, some good stuff going. It'll be interesting to follow them along with Baltimore. Because as I said, it's kind of the, the easiest team to feel like they are on a similar path right now. Uh, with the Orioles being just a little bit ahead. But it was definitely a, a good look. And again, we, we thank Ethan for joining us. Uh, to really talk about, you know, it was it was good to hear, you know, what that system looks like, how they've done with their trades. And yeah, they still have a little bit of talent at the major league level. But, you know, the other thing that reminded me of the Orioles, you, know, you look at that pitching staff for the Pirates and the Majors in 2021, and there was not a lot of positives to take away from it besides like the younger guys who came up at the end and did somewhat well. But, you know, overall, they had some guys who kind of disappointed, and that was a little bit like Baltimore. I mean, you know, the Pirates did not have a John Means. The closest thing they had was a solid Tyler Anderson, who they dealt to the Mariners at the deadline, but he was more of a veteran guy who's been around a couple of places. They don't have the means to rely on, and they don't have a Grayson Rodriguez or a D.L. Hall set to come up. So, you know, even though they have Contreras, they're pitching, you know, maybe not in the best spot, but with the Orioles, you know, obviously they had a lot of disappointing younger guys as well in the big leagues in terms of starting pitchers. So, uh, yeah, just a lot of similarities and definitely a good chat with Ethan right there. But we are continuing this series. Uh, it's been great to hear from a lot of you listeners uh, that you've really enjoyed this Comparing the Rebuild series. And I think it's really important for context to the Orioles because we can talk, you know, on and on again about this Orioles team and this organization and just channel this podcast about, you know, how good the system is, the system being ranked number one. And, you know, we got more awesome news this week, Baseball America coming out with its updated top 100 prospect list. And sure enough, Adley Rutschman is their number one prospect heading into 2022. And that's amazing news. And he's going to be in the big league roster. And the Orioles had five players on that top 100. There were a couple organizations with six players. Then the Orioles had five uh, with, of course, Grayson Rodriguez was ranked number six. They had D.L. Hall on there. Gunnar Henderson and Colton Kowser all were on the list. And you have to think if Heston Kerstad gets back to playing, he might be knocking on the door. And, and we all think Jordan Westberg may be knocking on the door of that top 100 list, along with Kobe Mayo as well coming up. So things are obviously exciting. And it was great to see all those Orioles players get recognized, especially Grayrod at number six, the highest you know he's ever been on that list. Was fantastic to see once again, rated the top pitching prospect in baseball. But that's not even enough context. And we can talk about, you know, the, the system-wide changes the Orioles are making, a deeper system, you know, them digging into the international market much more, you know, with all these international signings over the weekend. But in reality, you still need to compare it to the other teams because there's 29 other organizations out there still trying to beat the Orioles. You know, they're not operating in a vacuum. And I think this is a really important series of episodes to kind of find out how it's going elsewhere, whether it's teams like the D-backs and the Rockies who maybe aren't rebuilding, but really aren't great. And they're not sure what they're doing. Or is a team like the Pirates, who just like the Orioles are in a full rebuild right now, full tear down and build it back up. And we'll see how that goes. But we've got more of these conversations coming up, comparing the rebuilds. Uh, really excited to get you even more of these. Uh, we're going to talk about the Tigers in an upcoming episode. While I feel like the Pirates are a year behind the Orioles, it feels like the Tigers are a year ahead of the Orioles in this process. They had, you know, kind of a surprising 2021, 
they've spent this offseason so far and are ready to go for it. We're going to talk about the Marlins, who have been in a tangential you know, spot near the Orioles, but are kind of doing it a little differently with Kim Ang and Derek Jeter. We'll talk about how they are assessing you know, their rebuild spot, because they did make the expanded playoffs in 2020, how that kind of changed their spot. And then we're also going to talk about some teams who were already through their rebuild, but famously did rebuilds over the last decade or so. We're going to talk about the Phillies, which is a really interesting conversation because they are kind of the uh, you know team you look at and it concerns you a little bit because the Phillies rebuild, honestly, it failed. And you're seeing why at this point now as they try to win games. And we're also going to talk Astros as well because you can't compare Orioles rebuilds until you talk about the Astros because that's kind of the model for Baltimore at this point. Uh, so really excited about where this series is headed throughout this offseason. But we will be back on Monday, not yet with another Comparing the Rebuild episode, although we will have more new ones next week. But it will be a Mailbag Monday again when we return. And of course, we will answer all of your Orioles questions. If you want to submit a Mailbag question, of course, you can DM us or tweet at us on Twitter at LockedOnOrioles or at Connor Newcomb underscore. You can email the podcast. That's LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com or post a question in the review section on Apple Podcasts on the Locked On Orioles page on the Apple Podcasts app, and we'll answer the questions from there as well when we return on Monday for another Mailbag Monday episode. But until then, enjoy your weekend. I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.